Hello, my chickens. As you know, my colleague and friend and student and certified feminist coach, Simone Soul and I have been doing a limited series podcast called Outside the White Box, Elevating the Coaching Conversation where we're talking about all the ways in which we can really elevate the life coaching industry and as an intellectual matter, out the ways that understanding history and sociology and anthropology and cultural analysis and critical theory and all sorts of different intellectual frameworks can really help us be better coaches. And so we have previously released the first episode as a full episode on the podcast, But of course, I know some of y'all listening are coaches and want more and more of this. And some of y'all listening are not coaches and maybe don't want to hear every episode. So we are just releasing clips from each of the next few episodes once a week. And so this is a little taste of what's going on this week over on Outside the White Box, Elevating the Coaching Conversation. So you can find it by searching it anywhere on your podcast player, whatever that is. But you can also just text us or sign up online to make sure you get notified with a link whenever a new episode drops. So if you want to do that, you can text your email to plus one three four seven nine nine seven one seven eight four. And then when you get prompted for the code, the code is outside the box. So it's like a phrase with spaces between the words, like you were writing it normally, outside the box. Text your email to plus one three four seven nine nine seven one seven eight four. The code is outside the box with spaces between the words, or you can visit unfuckyourbrain.com forward slash outside the box, all one word. Unfuckyourbrain.com forward slash outside the box, that's all one word, and you will get updates whenever we release a new episode and a link to make it easy to listen. I'll see you there. So today we're starting off with, it's like a pop quiz. Can you name where this comes from? (laughs) I am going to read a quote. And you all think about, what does this sound like to you? Mind is the master power that molds and makes, and man is mind, and evermore he takes the tool of thought and shaping what he wills, brings forth a thousand joys, a thousand ills. He thinks in secret, and it comes to pass. Environment is but his looking glass. If you guessed Brooke Castillo, you're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Right. This sounds like if somebody had given us an assignment of like, write old timey poetry about what we teach in coaching. But in fact, it is from a book called As a Man Thinketh by James Allen, published in 1903. Right. And he called it a book on the power and right application of thought. Right. And he says that each man holds the key to every condition, good or bad, that enters into his life. And by working patiently and intelligently upon his thoughts, he may remake his life and transform his circumstances. Like does that was this before the World War One. Yeah, <laughs> before some Just of putting- the, some of the events. Yeah. I mean, I think probably there were other things that already happened in history that seemed like maybe they weren't created by people's thoughts, but who knows? Yeah. So we wanted to start with that because on this episode, we're going to talk about the intellectual history of some of the concepts that we use in modern coaching and where they came from. And some of those I think will sound more well-known. We're going to talk about meditation and some Eastern spiritual traditions and the ancient Greeks. But I think sort of less surfaced is this sort of American history from the turn of the century and the starting in 1900, even the late 1800s. And there's so many strands we could pull into those. 
what were called like charismatic teachers and preachers who went across the country, right? Having these sort of revival type events that were often Christian in nature, but where they were claiming to heal people by laying hands on and helping people, you know, achieve their best selves. And I just love that this poem, I guess you would call it this rhyme in the front of his book, like encapsulates so much of what we teach. But I would guess that if we pulled all the life coaches we know, maybe one other has ever heard of this book and doesn't know that so much of what we teach comes from this book that most of us have never even heard of. I mean, are you speaking just in terms of ideas or do you know of like actual lineage where like this person inspired whatever? Who yeah, inspired? no, I wish I could have found it when I was looking for this book. I read a fascinating article once about the origin of so much self-help literature in this book. Mm but I can't currently like trace the genealogy. And of course, like he didn't make all this shit up either. Like some of these ideas have been around for centuries, right? Yeah, yeah. But I do think we think of like self-help as this very modern phenomenon, right? And particularly gendered for women. Yeah. Whereas like this book, not written for women, right? Written for men. I just read this whole fascinating New Yorker article about the evolution of home economics and like the sort of writing of books for women on how to like, become better housewives and how that influenced the development of self-help. There's just so many fascinating influences. And so in our normal way, we're just going to chaotically talk about the ones that come to our minds. <laughs> you know, I just want to say, we might want to come back to this point later because it's not really central to what we're talking about today. But I love that the United States, America is where all of this development of self-help blossomed in the 20th century. And of course, there are aspects to it that we want to critically interrogate, but also <laughs> that's what nerds call a good time. <laughs> I, I thought I left I academia said, so I would never have to critically interrogate anything over the rest of my life. Just wanted to give you a little flashback to Yale. I'm just going to be in the corner with my PTSD right now. now. <laughs> right. So there are parts of it that we want to question, but I love that. Was this James Allen guy American? I'm assuming, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And there were the revivalists. And then there were all these, you know, I can't remember all the names, but America is. Oh, wait, I lied. He wasn't American. Oh, British. British. Okay. Anglo-American. Okay. That actually kind of undermines my point, but not really. That's okay. Let's just pretend it didn't because, you know. Yeah. Because I think the reason that there was so much self-help developing in the 20th century in America was because there was genuinely more opportunity in 20th century America than anywhere else ever before, sort of just in general. Yes, of course, there are a lot of caveats who weren't the same opportunities for Black people as white people, et cetera, et cetera. But there was a time when it just seemed like anything was possible for humanity. And that sense was more palpable in the US than anywhere else. And that was very real and very, very thrilling. And I kind of feel like it's not about America, but I feel like it's about what's possible for humanity as a whole and what happens when a society prospers and it gets people really thinking about like what we can create, not out of necessity with our human brains and our, our, our human lives, but with our pure creative potential. And I think self-help is really about when we, sure, some of it is about like how to survive, but you know, when you go beyond that, what do you want to create with your life? What do you want to create with your human ingenuity and out of your will and out of your values. And like, I think it's really, it's a great blessing that we had this robust American tradition of it. Of course, not exclusively American, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> but I just celebrate it as both an American and not American. I think I'm sort of both, but 
with the critical interrogation bits. I think it's worth <laughs> celebrating. I have to read you some of the other titles he wrote because these just sound like things that we would purchase at a life coaching conference. Some of them are a little more Christian explicitly than others, like byways of blessedness is not one that I would pick up. But the life triumphant, mastering the heart and mind, morning and evening thoughts, the mastery of destiny, above life's turmoil, from passion to peace, eight pillars of prosperity, man, king of mind, body, and circumstance, light on life's difficulties, foundation stones to happiness and success. Like these are all 100% sound like exactly what we would right yeah. expect to find now. I think for me, like <laughs> you're always the more cheerful and uplifting of the two of us. I too celebrate what we can achieve as humans. I think the reason like for me, even though God, do I never want to like use the phrase critically interrogate anything again for the rest of my life. So let me put it this way. I think for some people, like if this works, it works. And that's all I need to know. And I think I feel that way in terms of like when we get to the ultimate unprovability of certain things that we teach in coaching, like I do feel like I'm like, listen, I don't know, but it works. Like I've tried it. It works. That's good enough for me. But I think to the extent that like we want to, as we keep talking about, like provide ways of thinking and solutions for people that engage with the complicated nature of reality and the thornier questions of our times, that it's important to understand that the ideas that we teach and the ideas that we use didn't arise in a vacuum, right? And like weren't created necessarily by the person who just taught them to you. And to understand their like intellectual, I mean, I think this is, you know, our circumstances shape what we think. Like I'm saying this as number one, a Jew, which is like, you know, a group of people who have textbooks going back 6,000 years where we argue about literally like every spot of ink on the original Dead Sea Scrolls. And two, my father's a rare book dealer, so always very interested in provenance. But I think like understanding where our ideas came from helps us see what they might not be accounting for in a way, right? It's like we don't even know what to look for. Like no idea is universal, right? It's just a thought and people have many different ones. And I think understanding that background helps us understand how what we're talking about may resonate with some people and not resonate with others and why, right? Like this example I keep using of of saying that sort of, you know, there's a divine ordination of perfection in the universe, like going to super resonate with some clients, really not going to resonate with other clients, right? And if you understand, oh, well, this is a very Christian concept and it's based on like this theology and it's not going to resonate maybe with people who grew up in a different kind of community, like that makes you just a more effective coach, in my opinion, to understand that like what we teach and our coaching principles are not just like true statements from. I think at best would be, these are all hypotheses that we play with. I think yeah, all of our coaching ideas, we're not positing any of them as the absolute truth of the universe. That's not our job, but we're like, let's yeah. play with this hypothesis, see where it gets us. Right. Yeah. And so I think feel like this is a good time to jump in with our beloved hypothesis of your thoughts, create your results. Uh-huh. Right. And I think people want to like rebel against the idea when they don't treat it as a hypothesis, right? Mm-hmm. And just like start playing with it. They think it's like an and, edict or a rule that's being handed down. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that is not, I don't think anybody's intention that I have been taught by. Anyhow, yeah, totally. so at the same time, if you do want to rebel against it, it'll probably come as a relief to learn that this is not a universal idea. And it was 
I think you can tell me where, if you want to poke holes in sort of how I'm seeing, how I'm painting the picture, but sort of ignoring the pre-Christian history of Europe, because that was like too long ago. (laughs) I think the idea that our thoughts are the primary driver of, you know, shaping our reality and creating the results in our reality was really able to take root since like Renaissance humanism, when we like wrestled our understanding of reality and ourselves as human beings back from religion, you know, back from this idea of like, you are nothing, God controls everything, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. And the best you can do as a human being is try to, you know, live in God's grace and and Mm -hmm. do what the church tells you essentially. Okay, how good was that little teaser? You are really going to want to hear the whole episode. These conversations that I'm having with Simone about elevating the coaching conversation and the coaching industry are, I think, so powerful and so important. And whether you're a coach or not, because what we talk about really applies to anybody who's going to experience coaching as a client or as a coach. So highly recommend that you check those out. If you want to make sure that you get notified whenever we have a new episode, you can text your email to plus one three four seven nine nine seven one seven eight four and use the code outside the box. That's with spaces between the words, like you'd write it normally, or unfuckyourbrain.com forward slash outside the box. Go get on the list. You don't want to miss any of this goodness. And we will make sure that you know how to access the full episodes every time we release one because there's so much more where that came from. 